You're listening to the Pimp Cron Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 217 of the Pemcron Warhammer podcast, and we're brought to you today by GameMat.eu for pre-painted resin terrain, neoprene mats, and STL files, as well as Panhandle3D.com for 3D printed terrain and even vehicles, believe it or not. I just made an order for um, Marvel Crisis Protocol style ambulance and some other stuff a bunch of i think it was a garbage truck and some other stuff for scatter train so i think you will enjoy it if you check it out um panhandle3d.com is podcast 10 for 10 percent off your order and gamemat.eu is uh event 10 for 10 percent off that order so what are we talking about tonight well we have a we finally got a response from the person that i called king klong last week i think it was and um i actually got their name wrong so that's corrected in that that segment and uh, they come back with another mysterious kind of cryptic message we'll see what they have to say i'm also talking about the christmas socks for 40k the crazy christmas socks that um games workshops coming out with and uh we'll see whether or not we want those and then finally, something that's been rattling around in my head. I think just James and I discussed it several years ago, but I have an idea for them to fix the whole codex churn, the codex cost, all of that, and it would increase their profit. They would It would save us money as the customer, and I think everybody would be happy. It caters to the cheapos of us. It caters to the executive gamers in us, all of that. It caters to everybody, and I think it would ultimately make them a lot more money so you'll see what that is in that segment what have i been up to well i've been working on brutal space day and night um before work and after work each and every day and now that i actually get a few days off a week and i'm no longer seven days a week i was seven days a week from um uh the beginning of may through the beginning of october seven days a week so i'm happy that's over now and um i'm cranking out brutal space having a blast working on it filling out all the lore and the backstory i absolutely love doing that so that's what i'm doing it should be out by the end of the year and uh, doing a bunch of shore hammer prep i've i've done everything i could not believe i almost forgot to order my badges i mean this is like with plenty of time and they should be here any day now but this week i was like you know what i ordered my dice and my objective markers and my t-shirts and uh, my trophies, I think I'm done. And then all of a sudden it hit me. I'm like, wait a second. What about the with the name badges? I completely forgot that. So I ordered those. Um, I'm really excited to hear that uh, Panhandle 3D is going to be donating a bunch of stuff for the uh, charity raffle for Shorehammer. So I'm super excited about that. Um, they're our main sponsor this year. And uh, once again, um, podcast podcast 10 for 10% off your order. And they get they do free shipping if your order is at least 80 or 100 bucks, something like that, um, for U.S. residents. So you should definitely jump on that. And um, we painted up their terrain. We had a paint party last week. And, man, that terrain painted up so nice. It was, it was not, you know, printed crappy or anything like that. It was very nice. And um, what else? Uh, besides Brutal Space... And Shorehammer, I'm trying to think of what else I've been up to. Really, that's about it. I did make some custom spaceship models for um, Brutal Space for one of the factions. And, um, oh, I got my Grot Tanks in. So I have, I own eight Grot Tanks already. 
and I just ordered eight more Grot tanks. So I'm very excited. Um, no, my original Grot tanks actually are Forge World, but these new ones I bought, I'm not paying Forge World prices, and uh, they are 3D printed, and they are... They don't look exactly like the Grot tanks, but they are tiny little tanks, and, you know, they pretty much look like Grot tanks. So I'm going to mix them in with my real Grot tanks. Um, obviously, you know, those eight Grot tanks were like, I don't know, 80 bucks, I think, something like that for those eight Grot tanks. And um, Forge World would have been infinitely more money than that. So um, I, uh, I've i got a Grot army. It's technically an orc army, but I, I sold all my orcs off. So I've got just a Grot army with a bunch of Killicans. I think I have like a dozen Killicans and a, um, a Stompa. No, no, not a Stompa. A um, Morkonaut and one of the Buzz Bomber or whatever and a bunch of Grots running around and stuff like that. So um, I'm building an all Grot army as silly as that is. And um, the Grot tanks are awesome. And I'm probably going to buy at least two Mega Tanks at some point. Because those are pretty cool too. Those are serious weapons platforms. If you haven't seen that, the Grot Mega Tanks have, I think it's a total of eight guns on them, and every single one of them can be replaced with either a Big Shooter, a Custom Mega Blaster, a Rocket Launcher, um, I think maybe even a Flamer <laughs> or a Scorcher. I don't know, but um, I'm just thinking to myself, man, that has a lot of firepower with Ballistic Skill 4. A lot of firepower. So that will um, help probably give a little bit of edge to my Grots, because the Grot tanks in no way are good. But they're, you know, they're fine. So, anyway, uh, that's that's what I've been up to. That's basically all of it. So don't forget that my short story compilation, 20 short stories set in the Brutal Realm, is out now. It's called Tales from the Brutal. You can get all of my books at BrutalitySkirmishWarGame.com. And um, Brutal Space is due to be out by the end of the year. So I'm very, very excited about this. And, um, so we had our annual Halloween Patreon party and, uh, it was a blast as always. It's, I love to see everybody and meet everybody. Um, we met up at Nate's ranch in, um, Maryland and, uh, Nate has a, uh, a, a pretty impressive emu ranch where he raises and milks more, more importantly, he milks the emu. And um, he doesn't do anything with the milk. He just enjoys the act of milking the emu. So he really dumps it in the ditch, which um, I think the EPA is on him for all of the, the emu milk dumping. But anyway, we met at Nate's ranch. And um, it was pretty funny because Brendan showed up dressed like the Charlie Brown ghost. You know, the Charlie Brown and the, um, uh, the Great Pumpkin, where it's the sheet over you with too many eye holes cut in it. And we're like, Brendan, what are you doing? So that was that was pretty funny when he got there. As with uh, most of our get-togethers, uh, we had to call the ambulance. Um, Fergie accidentally swallowed an entire apple during the apple bobbing, bobbing for apples. And uh, I guess he just breathed in at the wrong time, and he swallowed an entire apple. The problem was, is that it went down completely fine. It was in his stomach, but he became terrified once Leroy Jenkins started telling him that apple seeds contain cyanide and he was convinced he was going to die and that it was all Nate's fault with his stupid emus and it just became kind of a big deal. Uh, we did not make Grendel drive him to the hospital like we did the, the last time we all got together, but uh, it was it was a bit of a mess. 
And speaking of Leroy Jenkins, he was dressed as a sister of battle because that is his favorite army. And um, he insisted on all of us complimenting him on his bustier and his high heels. And we had to refer to him as Sister Superior. Had to. So we're like, okay, Sister Superior. And every once in a while, we'd be like, Leroy. And he'd be like, "Uh, Sister Superior. I'm like, oh, sorry, Sister Superior. And he really pulled off the outfit pretty well, actually. At some point in the party, Nate started doing a head count of his emu herd and realized he was short a couple. Come to find out, Mandy comes from a long line of horse rustlers, and they even rustled zebra at some point in the past, and uh, camel rustlers. So I guess it was something just genetic inside her that the moment she saw those emu, she knew she had to steal some of them. We never did catch her. I don't know where she went, but she, she made off with at least six emu, and... Uh, I made a promise to Nate that we would reimburse him for the the uh, the emu. Grendel showed up as his old bulldog tank, and it was a pretty impressive it was a pretty impressive costume. Um, and I I don't know how hard it was on his back. He was on all fours all night. He was very committed to the role, and uh, he would not speak verbally to us. He he was a bit of a mess, but he he did a good job, and it was a very impressive costume. Kojo decided that he would bring candy for everyone, and it was very nice of him. And uh, he said he did not like dressing up. That was not his style, but he did wear a pumpkin baseball hat. So that was, you know, that's okay. Not everyone has to dress up. Not everyone's in a costume, but it was very nice of him to bring candy. He disappeared around the same time that Mandy did, and... Uh, the authorities, when we called them, thought that there was no way one person could rustle six emu. It just didn't seem possible. So they had already had their suspicions that there was someone helping Mandy with the emu rustling. And being that LT mysteriously disappeared, well, we just assumed that uh, he was working in cahoots with her. Now, the mother flippin' Lord Mike and Juicy decided to show up as two halves of a horse, that classic costume. The problem is, I feel like there was a miscommunication at some point, and both of them were the butt. So, we had a double-butted horse walking around with Mike and Juicy in it, and they were knocking over pails of emu milk, and they were they fell into the um, candy bucket at some point, and eventually tripped and fell down into the ditch where Nate pours his emu milk, and they just were soaked in curdled emu milk. It was pretty gross, so... The rest of the night, they were just in plain clothes because they were not going to walk around with, you know, their bottom half covered in horse costume soaked in milk. It's just not going to happen. So everything really went well with the party, a little bit crazy like usual, but, you know, that's just bound to happen. And um, everything went really smoothly until Chris set Nate's barn on fire. Let's open the Tesseract mailbox. Well, by golly, it's time for the Tesseract Mailbox yet again. How does the time fly? We have a response email from the supposed King Klong, and I actually did make an error in that email, but we'll get into that in this latest email. So I did my um, public call to uh, King Klong and said, hey, you never replied to my email, so please you know, reply. And uh, apparently they are a listener because they replied. So we still, King Klong is very much still a mystery to us, but let's see what they have to say. Hey, Pimpcron, 
I doubt that's your real name. I laughed so hard when you misread my email last week. King Klong, haha. Read it again. Okay, that's where I'm going to say the the actual email, there's there's more to it. There's numbers and other things in it, but it's not King Klong. It's Kink Long, not King Klong. King Klong. So, uh, I misread that. So anyway, they say, read it again. So I got that now. I, I understand Kink Long. You're not King Klong. I guess uh, last week we were talking about the Mega Gargant King, whatever his name is. So I guess I had King on the mind. Um, anyway, it says, uh, read it again. I sent you that email. It was my email that I sent you. Little known fact, I can write whatever I want in my email. Bourgeoisie. There, I said that now. You can't stop me from saying it again. <laughs> to prove my point, bourgeoisie. I thought you had a nice show, so I told you that. Does a person of color need to explain everything he does? I'm not a POC, but... I'm sorry. I'm not a POC, by the way. Just a rhetorical. Keep up those nice shows and you're cruising for another email pointing it out. Consider yourself kink-longed. <laughs> so, uh, kink-long, uh, thank you for emailing me back. And uh, you are very entertaining. So, thank you for listening to the show. And I don't think there was actually any question or answer in this email. Uh, he, I, I assume it's a he now because he says, does a person of color need to explain everything he does? So, but then again, he does say, I'm not a person of color, color by the way, just a rhetorical. So I guess that technically doesn't mean it's a guy either, but I'll just stick with them. So, um, yes, you're right. King, kink, long. Uh, you can say bourgeoisie as many times as you see fit in this email, and it is your email, and I don't know how much I can actually add to this, but it has been very interesting talking to you, and thank you for hearing my call on the air and emailing me back, and uh, whenever you feel like writing into the podcast about maybe some more specific things, like uh, a certain topic or whatever, because my original email was like, you know, what, what show are you talking about? And um, you never actually ex explain that part. So, um, but anyway, this was very entertaining and uh, you guys are great. My audience is always very entertaining. So thank you for correcting me, Kink Long. And um, I guess we get on to the next segment. Want that? or want that not. You heard the bumper music. It's time for Want That or Want That Not. And today, I have a question for you. Did you ever, ever, and I mean even once, I mean even for a split second, ever want Warhammer 40k Christmas socks? Did that ever cross your mind? Did literally a single person on this planet ever ask for 40k holiday socks? No, I didn't think so. I, I did not think anybody ever asked for that. But here they are on the Games Workshop website. There's two different versions, and um, for $15, you can get a blue Imperial Aquila pair of socks or a red Imperial Aquila pair of socks for $15. You're, you're charged $7.50 per sock, by the way. 
just for you, you those uh, playing at home. So they look like your typical gaudy Christmas socks, and they do have an Aquila on them. They, in fact, do. I cannot imagine that anybody would ever want these. Um, let me be cynical for a minute and say, Games Workshop, nobody asked for this. Nobody wants this. I can't imagine you thinking this was a good idea and that anybody would want it. Now, let me be more real. Um, they are festive, I guess. I mean, I have no, no urge to buy these, not in the very least. But I guess I could see, you know, if you like to walk around the house in like your Christmas PJs or something, or it's kind of a gag gift at 15 bucks. I mean, I think that's probably pretty darn expensive for socks, but um, as a gag gift, I guess I could see you getting someone some Christmas socks, you know, I, I just don't know. I'm trying to give this a benefit of a doubt for a second. You know what my real problem here is? is that, number one, I'm pretty sure you can get an entire package of socks, like 24 socks for $15, okay? That's number one. But these are fancy, there's an IP attached, blah, blah, blah. Okay, fine, 15 bucks. That's not the highest price I've ever heard for something stupid, okay? So, my real problem with these socks is that they are far too busy to even notice the Aquilas on them. They have that typical Christmas, um, I guess, woven pattern. You know, like the ugly sweater phenomenon, right? And where they've got like all these wild patterns and all this stuff. So the blue ones are blue and white and black and yellow and dark blue. There is a lot going on here. And I can only make out an Aquila on the toe area and Aquila at the top. That's it. And both these Aquilas, one of them is black on a yellow background, and one of them's black on a dark blue background. So really, if someone were wearing these, you wouldn't even see the Aquila on them at all. And the yellow one is on your toes, which presumably you'll be wearing shoes. So no one will see that either, like, you know, out and about. It's not going to be a conversation starter with strangers, okay? The red pair is actually much better at actually seeing the Aquila, and they've got way more Aquilas on them. So the, the red pair is predominantly white and black, and there's a little bit of gray, and there's red. That's what they, but that's what those are. It's overall a much brighter sock. It's got a lot of white on it. They call it the red Imperial Aquila, but the Aquila is not red. It's still black. It's just black on a white background. There's two of them near your toes, and then there's one near your ankle, and there's two near the top of the sock. So, if anybody's going to see that, they're definitely going to see the black Aquila on the white background. Okay. I guess if that's something you're into, then have fun with your $15 socks. I guess that's what I would have to tell you. But it is definitely a want that not for the Pimp Cron. And honestly, I'm really not a fan of these patterns. Even if you are a sock person, even if you are, you know, like a, a cutesy decorated sock person, even if you want to rep your um, interests for the world to see with your crazy silly socks, even if $15 is just like nothing to you and you've got so much extra money, even if all that's the case, I think these patterns are pretty lame and the Aquila is not even very noticeable at all on the blue pair. So that's it. That's a want that not for the Pimpcron. Now it's time for Real Talk with Pimpcron. 
Today I've got an idea I want to discuss, and I am pretty sure that someone in Games Workshop listens to this podcast. We're one of the larger Warhammer podcasts, and several times they've implemented stuff that I've implemented a few months prior into my um, my Brutality game, and my Epic War Planner has a lot of stuff that um, that they've implemented later on. Some of the missions are nearly copy and paste. Now, it definitely could be just coincidences, but it's been time and time and time again, coincidence, 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 right? So, maybe none of that actually is from them listening and taking ideas, right? I'm not trying to claim that really, but I'm saying that's a possibility, okay? I've had many listeners and even some of my friends say, you know they listen to you, right? Because it seems like sometimes they do. So, I just want to throw that out there, right? Um, a lot of the stuff we've done with our tournaments, now they do in their match play tournaments, um, like the um, the reduction of CPs and you get them throughout the game versus in the beginning of the game. We've been doing that for two or three years in, at my convention. So there's lots of things, and that information is freely on the website, on my website. So all of that they could easily get without ever having to attend my convention or anything like that. So even if none of this came from me. I'm hoping the Games Workshop will do me one favor and by relation do all of you a favor and by relation do themselves a favor, okay? What they need to do is change their codex layout and here is my points behind that and I actually have factual information to back me up. I have statistics, I have money and figures to back this up. But first off, I know a lot of us get uh, frustrated with the constant churning of new codexes, right? The constant you, I mean, if gosh, if you're a Lumineth Realm Lords player, you just purchased your third rulebook for that army, and they've been out for what two years? I mean, it's it's actually at some point it gets ridiculous. If you're Space Marines, you've bought several codexes every uh, every uh, edition. So to me, I'm thinking to myself, you know, there's a lot of bloat and a lot of stuff in those codexes that really does not need to be there for the average player. And a lot of us already think this hobby is pretty expensive. We already try to save money where we can. You know, some people buy China cast, some people 3D print stuff, some people kit bash, whatever. They use proxies. Well, another way to make sure people stay in the game and they don't get frustrated with your constant churning of codex stuff is you implement two different types of codexes. So one of them would basically be the gamer's edition, right? It does not need to be... So basically what we're going to do there is we're going to cut costs, okay? I have figured out what it would roughly be and their percentage of profit and all of that for a paperback 40-page booklet with all the rules and all the units and all the everything you need to play the game. Even if you want to throw crusade rules in there, fine, throw crusade rules in there. But 40 pages, which I think would fit pretty much everything... And, of course, it'd be a little more if there's a few more pages, but I'm just saying in general. 40 pages, and uh, you can probably fit, what, for every two pages, you can fit four units. So, I mean, I, I think 40 pages is about a good spot there. And um, if you get rid of all of the vanity pictures of models, and you get rid of all of the lore, which takes up a ton of space, and you could even get rid of Crusade rules... And all of that. Now, before anybody freaks out, it's like, I like the lore. Okay, hold on. Just just bear with me. If they made a gamer's edition 
of the codex that was soft back and either black and white or color, and it just had the rules. That was it. That would benefit them in many, many different ways. People like me and Just James, we have only been buying one rule book between the two of us for the last, uh, practically since COVID, because they churn out codexes so quickly, and him and I have pretty much every single army between the two of us, and most of our armies overlap. So what we've been doing is taking turns. I'll buy the, you know, Codex A, and then the next Codex that comes out that we both want, he'll buy it. And then we basically just share them, because we rarely play at the same time the same army. And that's how we've been cutting our costs in half. But you know, Games Workshop, it doesn't have to be that way. So my proposition is, we've already learned that um, players will definitely pay more for something that seems limited edition or whatever, right? They often come out with limited edition codexes, which are essentially the exact same codex, a different cover, the exact same hardbound, full color, full lore, all the rules, everything, the vanity, uh, galleries of models, all of that. They come out with all of that, and people pay extra. What is it, 70 bucks, 80 bucks? I think at some point it was $100, I think, back in the day. But anyway, occasionally they come with extra tokens, whatever. That's up to GW to do that. But what I'm saying is, if you want to keep the casual, normal players that don't want to keep up with the meta and all that BS, and they don't want to spend a million dollars every year on different codexes, you need to make a gamer's edition of the codex. And then... Then, for the people that love the lore and want the crusade rules and all of that, then they can buy the, you know, special edition, whatever you want to call it. But the gamer's edition would be softback versus the hardback, more expensive version, right? And the codexes right now run about $55. Well, you could charge more if they were a limited edition, lore-filled, full-color, whatever, People like me would not give two craps about it, and I would gladly buy a black and white codex if it were cheaper and just gave me the rules, because I don't care about all the fluff and all that. If you want to read about fluff, the internet is full of freaking fluff. They take all the the lore from these books, and they copy it on, you know, uh, Lexicanum or any of those websites, and I don't really think it's a secret, and... Um, a lot of people like myself are trying to save a little bit of money, right? You've got bills, you've got kids, wife, whatever, other hobbies. You really don't need to be buying multiple codexes within just a few years. So, I used my contacts in the publishing industry, and I figured out pretty much, pretty much, this is all estimations because there's no real way to know what their actual costs are, okay? It depends on if they own the printers, it depends on what kind of contract they have with the printers, it depends a lot on volume, if they're using someone else's printers, you know, if they've got a contract. Um, all of that is in effect, but I can give you rough estimates, okay? So, when it boils down to it, let me get this open. When it, when it boils down to it, they sell a hardback book of about 110 pages, full color and hardcover, and it should cost them a little under $10 to produce. And if they're, I have no idea what their sales numbers are. It could be even cheaper than that. Um, it costs them a, roughly, my, my informant told me, about $9.51. And of course, all of this is in US dollars, but... Currently, the pound is pretty much exactly worth a dollar, so this even works for you Britons. It's $9.51 for a 110-page color hardback book. 
They currently sell that for $55. Okay. This leaves $45 in profit. Okay. That's about 81% profit. Now, in this, we're completely ignoring when they sell to independent, um, independent stores and things like that because they also take their markup and, and all that. So we're just talking about sticker price if you bought it from the GW website. Okay, Because all of this still applies. It's just slightly different if you're talking about other stores having to take. But So that's 81% profit. They can make $45 off of a $55 book on the hardback. Okay, But then you get people like me and James that start buying every other one instead of each one because, you know, you're you're raping us with these these book prices and these books. So instead of doing that, you could keep that the same or you could um increase your 81% by selling it for 60, 65, $70 because now it's going to be a special edition book with the lore and the color and the hardback. A lot of gamers would not give two craps if they got the special edition, but you know there are some gamers that love to have the most expensive army transport, uh, fancy tape measure, the very expensive dice, all of that. You know that your special editions always sell out, so you know that these also will as well. So, that's 81% profit. Now, if you were to make a, let's take a step down to the gamer's edition, right? Let's just say we're going to spitball and say $25 for a softback, full color, just the rules, player's version of the uh, codex. If you sold that for $25 versus the $55 that you sell the hardbacks, it would cost them roughly $2.95. So we can say roughly $3, okay? Roughly $3 it would cost them. And if they sold it for $25, that would be 88% profit versus the 81% profit on the hardbacks. So 88% profit, you know what? The percentages don't lie. So even though you're only making $22 off selling this book, it costs you far less than the, the nearly $10 cost of the other book, right? So you're actually, per dollar that it costs you to make it, you're actually making 7% more profit off of it. Okay, that's cool. I would definitely buy this. But let's say GW, as a corporation, they're trying to you know, profit and, and distribute it to the shareholders and all that. What if they went back to the 4th uh, edition codexes that were uh, softback and they were black and white and they had a few illustrations, but it was basically 30, 40 pages like, I remember my um, Katachin Codex, my um, my old Necron Codex from 3rd Edition. They were like, I don't even know if they were 40 pages. Like, they were not that many pages. So, if they did that, using the same 40 pages, black and white, uh, soft cover, all of that, it would cost them $1.21 versus the $2.95 of the color version of that. So, it's almost two-thirds off of their cost of the color. Let's say they were feeling particularly greedy and they wanted to sell that instead of the color one for $25. Now, to be honest with you, I'm looking for any reduction in the cost of these codexes. I would gladly buy a black and white codex with just the information for $25. Softback, just make it as cheap as you want to make it. I would gladly buy that for $25 versus 
$55 of a hardback and a bunch of lore and a bunch of other stuff that I don't care about and I don't want. I think a lot of people are in this boat with me. If you sold that $1.21 book for $25, you're talking 96% profit. So 81% profit is roughly how much they make now. You could bump that up to 88 instead of 81. 88% profit if it were color softback and 96% profit if it was a black and white soft cover. And I'm telling you right now, I think a lot of people like myself would not bat an eye for one second at a 40-page black and white soft cover book for 25 bucks. I don't think any of us would. And what you're doing there, and Games Workshop, I think, has tried to do this. They've tried to cater to the competitives, and they've tried to cater to the casuals. Well, this is just another way to do it. If you're not going to get your whole army builder app thing straight, GW, if you're not going to get your digital codec situation straight on the phone, then the least you can do is increase your profits and make two versions of the codex. And I think that would be a serious hit. You would be profiting more per customer. And you know what? At that price, me and James wouldn't even share codexes anymore. At 25 bucks, that's what I'm paying now, if you think about it. If he buys every other one for me, and I pay full price for every other one, then I'm basically paying 25 bucks per book. And who cares if the lore or its color or whatever? I don't care. I just don't. So I think this is a great way for them to increase prices and cater to the casuals as well as the competitives. Or I don't even know that it's competitives that buy the uh, the special editions. Honestly, it's more of like the what we used to call executive gamers. We used to call them executive gamers. Uh, my uh, old friend, Bliggity Blam Steve, was definitely an executive gamer. If he had a tape measure, it was a special edition Games Workshop $55 tape measure that he bought years ago. If he had dice, they were the most expensive, crazy dice he could possibly get that were made of, you know, titanium or whatever. If he had an army transport, which he had many, he had it custom embroidered and had his army name on it and his name on it. And I mean, it was just everything is to the nth degree. And I know there's a lot of people like that. So honestly, the competitive players may go for the black and white. They very well may do that. If they really only care about winning, then they probably want to cut costs on that as well. And then that money, don't think for a second Games Workshop that that money is going to be lost if they buy the cheaper version of the Codex, even though you're making more money per sale and more money per capita. That money is just going to go into more miniatures sold. I guarantee you this would have a, a more than beneficial effect on the sales of your models because I know personally... If the books were only 25 bucks, then I feel like I'm getting a pretty good deal for it. And that's going to make people more likely to try out new armies. You know, hey, you know what? I see that uh, that gamer's edition of Eldar on the shelf. You know what? I think I'm going to try them. Now, of course, that wouldn't be 40 bucks because they're like three, three factions in one book. But you get what my, my point is. All of this, a percentage scales, okay? Um... So, I just think that's a fantastic idea, and Games Workshop, if you're listening, listen, there's no shame in listening to good advice from the Pimpcron, okay? They can't prove that you didn't already have this in the works, but I think that you would sell more models, people expand would expand into more armies, and you'd make more money per capita 
and then a lot of us would not... You know how many people use just PDFs they get online for free? If it was 25 bucks, I mean, you can you can fart out $25, frankly. If you're a game uh, war gamer, you spend so much money, sometimes you toot, and a $25 bill, if they existed, would pop out. So I'm just, I'm just saying. Anyway, it's a good idea, and I stand by it. So there. Thank you to panhandle3d.com for supporting the show, and thank you to gamemat.eu for also supporting the show, and thank you to all my beautiful, sexy, good-smelling Patreon patrons who attended the Halloween party, and I will see you next week.